Welcome to The Vinyl Preacher, your award-winning podcast where we talk about the Bible and make a playlist. I'm Matt Cato, pastor at St. Mark's Lutheran Church in Los Angeles, California. And I'm Zach Ferris. I'm the pastor of Lutheran Campus Ministry at the University of Colorado Boulder. And Zach, we have a special guest on the podcast today, a longtime listener, first-time caller, Rustin Comer. Welcome, Rustin. Fun times. Rustin, uh, your official title, I looked it up on Facebook, and that I assume is where the official title is, uh, is Minister of Faith Formation at, pronounce the name of your church? <laughs> I want to hear you try to pronounce it. <laughs> is it Wayzata? Wayzata. Wayzata. Community Church. It's in Wayzata. That's the name. So yeah, my my official new title is Minister of Formation and Innovation. Oh, ooh. 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 Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you come up with that title? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Well done. <laughs> is uh Wazika is that one of the like a, a Flaming Lips concept album? Is that what the church's town is named after? It's, totally. Yeah, it's it's actually means it's some like Indian word about water. I think it means like wave or something like that. We we're right on Lake Minnetonka, so uh-huh. we're, maybe uh, it means something lake. like land of lakes. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of our brands. Yeah. <laughs> and you're in Minnesota, so is it like a it's like a suburb of Minneapolis? Is that how you understand it? it? Or, yeah. Yeah, it's. Um, it's a first ring suburb of Minneapolis. It's a true suburb, though. It's not like a city ring suburb. It's an actual suburb. Gotcha. I know that people uh, are picky about the distinctions between Minneapolis and St. Paul. Which of those do you consider yourself a suburb of? Uh, definitely Minneapolis. <laughs> and uh, I've only been to St. Paul three times since I've lived here. Burn. <laughs> really? Yeah, sadly. <laughs> Wow. Um, what, uh, tell us what minister of faith formation and innovation means. What is your, what is your role in compass? Yeah, that's, um, it's a changing ship, uh, in some ways, but, um, when I came here three years ago yesterday, uh, um, I was brought on to do faith formation and like content creation kind of stuff, um, for the messaging piece of, of forming. And so, um, I do basically formation and the management of the formation teams from birth to death. So, um, we have a family ministry team that's early childhood, elementary, middle school, high school, uh, um, and young adults. And I oversee that team. And then we have a lay team of leaders, um, that does our adult ed. And, um, so we've, kind of rebuilt both of those in the last three years um, launched a adult ed program um, called core and uh, has five educational tracks um, that you can take and it has kind of as a quarter system where we rotate five or six teachers in the area of um, spiritual spirituality um, bible theology uh, interfaith and practical theology and do that kind of stuff. Then I preach and make videos and podcast and blog and shit like that. <laughs> oh, can I cuss? Tennis? Oh. 
Yes. Yeah, I'll try not. <laughs> yeah, people always ask, and we always... Isn't our answer basically yes? Is there more than that? I don't think so. I don't think we have more of an answer than that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll try to be less profound. Until uh, a benefactor steps up uh, who requires a lack of cussing. No. <laughs> That's right, yeah. We, we can, be, can bought. be bought. That is the primary takeaway. As, as you should be. Yeah. <laughs> well, that sounds uh, phenomenal. Man, I want to talk to you more about the team building thing at some point. But uh, as you can tell from Rustin's description of his ministry, uh, Rustin's church and mine are roughly the same size. <laughs> Pretty much the same We're- thing. We're about the same age, though. You just celebrated 115. Congrats. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think, Thanks. I think we're 135. So we're right wow. there. Wow. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> awesome. Wow. Um, and tell us, I think your your favorite thing, uh, from what I can tell uh, on the internet, is your favorite thing about Minnesota is the weather. Okay. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I hate the weather. <laughs> but... You know what? I, I knew I knew what if I'm really honest, I'm not really sure I knew where Minnesota was on a map before I moved here. But uh, that's a geography problem. But secondly, like I knew what the weather was. You know, I moved from Boston to LA, so it's fine. You just hunker down and you do your thing and pray to God it all ends a month ahead of when it should. When you live on a lake that's hundred and forty six miles of shoreline that freezes the whole freaking thing it's a pretty amazing (laughs) no one knows the day or the hour (laughs) in which the salvation of the summer will come that's exactly right Mm -hmm. unfortunately it's about may usually (laughs) just your tone of voice that it's fine it's something i want to just remember for a long time it's it's fantastic well um we're gearing up to go to Minnesota in 2021 with the ELCA nice. Youth Gathering. So I'm like looking I up stuff about Minnesota. I can't wait to take you to Prince. <laughs> right? I, like, That's like the it, first thing. <laughs> it is on, like it's right by my house. Like I'm like, what? I'm like, I'm like 11 miles from it. Like wow. right there. My wife does jazzercise right behind it every day. Like That's... I can't wait to get you in there. Did you That's... have any Prince encounters before, uh, before Prince died? No, but everybody here does. Mm-hmm. I, um, I, he had, I'd only been here, I think a year when he died. So, um, but you talk about people like in the neighborhood cause it's in, uh, Chanhassen. So people in the Chanhassen neighborhood, like he used to go door to door doing, getting people to become Jehovah's witness, hmm. like regularly in that neighborhood. So it's fascinating. I convert for Prince. I would too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, this is, you know, to all of the LDS folks and Jehovah's Witness and the door-to-door people out there, your strategies would be way more effective if you could get Prince to execute them. <laughs> right? We've got an issue in the ELCA with church planning. We're not very good at it. Imagine if we had Prince plant all of our churches. That rate's definitely going up. Uh, unbelievable. I would love Prince to plant my church. <laughs> well, Prince uh, is phenomenal, but we're here today. We got you on, Rustin, to talk about another artist. Uh, you had reached out to me just a couple days ago, uh, and you said, hey, 
been listening to this podcast called Dolly Parton's America. America. Heck yeah. And I had been listening to it too. And, uh, and I texted Zach and he'd been listening to it too. And we thought, Hey, let's do a whole advent series on Dolly Parton. The advent of our Dolly. Mother of God. You got a lot of, Mm -hmm. right. I mean, you're talking about Mary and Elizabeth and Theotokos, right? So you're going to help us kick it off for us. And so we appreciate you being on here to talk to us a little bit about Dolly Parton. And first of all, just why, what piqued your interest at this podcast? I'm a little ashamed by this, to be honest with you, but because I hate country music and it's like the only s- style of music that I truly despise, mm-hmm. especially bro country. It's my least favorite. Um, but I love bluegrass. Grew up in the South, right? I grew up in Texas and Oklahoma and uh, I grew up with Dolly Parton in my house. I have three vacations in my childhood where I went to Dollywood as part of our vacation while we were also going to a yes. Southern Baptist convention um, in the ne- same neck of the woods. In Gatlinburg? And so, yeah. Yeah. So I, like, I am, a, I grew up, I love her music. I think she's fascinating. And the podcast for me, like, they like, just triggered some really, like, fascinating rabbit holes. Because um, it really is a podcast of rabbit holes in many ways. Yeah. Um, but it, it awakened me to a way of seeing Dolly that I probably had not seen before, almost a, like a Lady Gaga uh, reality. Hmm. And so, wow. so then I was like, man, this is just fascinating. And there's so many like between like the immigrant experience stuff and the poverty experience and the justice stuff and the um, everything in the midst of that, like literally blew my mind and the feminism junk, like, not feminism junk, feminism stuff. I love feminism. That's so what we everybody. call it on uh, the podcast is hashtag feminist junk. Yeah, so I love it. Two like, straight white guy podcast. That's what we, yeah. yeah exactly. Now a third straight white guy. That's great. Um, so just was fascinated and was like, it's music. It's exactly down you guys' vein. And, and so then I started triggering, like, so with my young adults, we do these pop-up church things where we uh, plan different things. One of my, students on Shania Twain's birthday, he found out that Shania Twain was like super conservative and from Canada. And she had said, um, publicly that if she were to live in the U S she would have voted for Trump. And so on her birthday, they did a Shania Twain cover night at a bar in St. Paul and had all these women come and sing Shania Twain songs and then gave the money to Planned Parenthood, like as a righteous middle (laughs) finger. And so like then I started saying like, man, what would it look like to do like a whole worship service built around Dolly Parton? Like we do with Beyonce or U2, like a Dolly verse kind of thing. So that's when I was like, I got to text Matt because this is like too good and they should do this. I expect to be a part of it. And I think it's awesome. You guys are doing a whole advent on it. It's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Oh, thanks for that background. Um, yeah, I, I think I only visited Dollywood once, but we definitely had a road trip. Went to Gatlinburg and went to West Virginia, too. My dad is from Appalachia. Uh, but I remember that oh, Dollywood yeah. visit. And I remember uh, I remember I got a hat from there. It was like a train, like a train conductor hat for like a child because I was very little. But it said Dollywood on it. And I must have had it for years and years. So, of course, like I just remembered. Yeah, no, I, I totally did. And it's funny, like I I also would have told you years ago that country music was the the one kind of music that I wasn't into. 
And then I discovered Johnny Cash. And it oh, was like my gateway Johnny drug. Cash. Right? It was like a gateway drug. I like and the old school to... country. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's it opens up a whole lot of really interesting questions, I think, about like about genre and about um and about identity, I mean, because now what it becomes for me is like exploring, uh, exploring my own roots, right? And what does this mm-hmm. mean? This like this music that has become a very white kind of music, um, but then what is which isn't necessarily the background, as Rhiannon Giddens told us on the playlist on the on the podcast, right? Totally. Um, but I think is identified in that way in popular culture, um, and so what does it mean to kind of dig into and explore that a little bit? And that so just on a personal note, like that that that's what becomes interesting to me. Um, but I do that kind of as a I'm just starting to dig into that. Um, but of course, texted Zach, knowing that Zach is from Appalachia and mm-hmm. did his internship in, not Tennessee, but Tennessee. how do you pronounce it? Tennessee. 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 <laughs> wow. I didn't even know that, Zach. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. So I grew up uh, in Western North Carolina, uh, where Dolly is a folk hero for, for certain. Uh, and we've got some fun guests coming up, uh, including, I'm pretty sure we're going to talk to my grandmother, uh, because oh, growing up, my mama, uh, and she still does, had this big old refrigerator magnet of Dolly Parton on the refrigerator. Uh, and I've never asked her what it's about, so I'm looking forward to doing that. And then I did my internship at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville in East Tennessee, uh, which is its own. The different sides of the mountain are different. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, Gatlinburg and Dollywood. Uh to a North Carolinian are the, uh, we have the, the national park in North Carolina <laughs> and they have Dollywood on the other side and the as seen on TV stores where you can buy big knives. I do love as seen, as seen on TV stuff. It's its own Come world. On. It's fun. Yeah. Uh, I'm so excited to, uh, to get into it. Well, I'll tell you, one of the things that I like, you're one of the few people I know that play the banjo. Mm-hmm. And so that whole set, like I had no idea about the history of the banjo until this podcast. Yeah. Like it was, that was a super fascinating part. Fun kind of connection to be name droppy. So Rihanna Giddens, when she was uh, in the Carolina chocolate drops, uh, one of my old church friends that I grew up doing youth stuff with Jimmy Ryan was the tour manager for the Carolina chocolate drops. Uh, so I've got, I've got two degrees of separation to, to Rihanna um, but yeah, and my, my story with the banjo is pretty similar, is indicative, I think, of the history of the banjo, which if you haven't listened to, you should, first of all, stop listening to this podcast and go listen to uh, Dolly Parton's America, WMYC has done it. But they have Rihanna come on, uh, who plays the banjo, she plays claw hammer, I play, I play bluegrass style. Um, but she's done a lot of, Rihanna is black, uh, and so uh, a lot of work into the history of the banjo. Uh, and so the first banjo uh, that we know that really looks like a banjo is from Haiti. It has a history that goes back to West Africa. Uh, but then you get further into that episode, they talk about the banjo probably also came from uh, the Middle East, and they start to really uh, break down the idea that things come from places anyway. Uh, and so I grew up in Lincoln County, North Carolina, which is borders Cleveland County, which is where Earl Scruggs is from. Uh, right? And so, I do love, love Earl Scruggs. Yeah, and who invented ban- bluegrass banjo, three-finger three style playing. Yeah. He invented it. And I learned to play the banjo, of course, uh, on the north side of Chicago. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The old town school of folk. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I love the immigrant stuff because, and it's going to fit really nicely with where we're headed, 
because one way of understanding the Gospel of Matthew is just today we start into the new lectionary year, uh, is that Matthew is all about the immigrant story, is about exile and homecoming. Uh, we're not going to get all of it during Advent, but it's going to be all of Christmas. Uh, and I'm pretty sure it's a Craig Satterley thing that I've read uh, in some of his stuff, that, that Matthew is just, the whole Bible is, but Matthew in particular is particularly faithful to this this thread that the story of the Bible is the story of exile and homecoming that Mary and Joseph in in Matthew uh, they got to go they go into exile immediately because they got to go to 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 Bethlehem uh, so they make that trip and then they come home and then Herod has the edict that he's going to kill everybody so immediately they're driven into exile into Egypt and then they come back home and then Jesus is a grown ass man but he gets uh, he has to go out to the wilderness to be baptized and, and in baptism comes home but then immediately he's driven back into the wilderness where he's tempted by Satan uh, it's this back and forth and back and forth and so I think Dolly I don't want to give away all my good stuff immediately. Um, <laughs> Leave it on the floor. That, that, that the story of Dolly, where I'm starting my Dolly journey this Advent, in the Advent of our Dolly, it is in relationship to my history and sense of place, having a family that has similar stories to Dolly, where the narrative is similar to the one that I hear in Dolly's story, that you've got to get out of here to make it. There is nothing for you here. Uh, and I don't know that that was ever explicitly said to me, but that's... These days, I feel like that's the story that I grew up with, you know, and having having grandparents and stuff who who did the kind of thing up in the mountains and you got to get out of here. Uh, and so to have that story be a thing that really pushes your life, but then also to hold on to the other hand, my Tennessee mountain home and lift it up as this Eden that you can never go back to completely uh, <laughs> is so central yeah. to the human experience and the human story. And that's what I've heard in the podcast that's intrigued me that I think will take us into into Advent uh, with Dolly, also with the mountains are full of, part of why you have to leave is the mountains carry this apocalyptic sense about them. Uh, nothing good happens up in the mountains. Uh, and so as we move into Advent, having the having all of that held above our heads, I think is, I'm just so excited to see where we go. Why are the mountains, why does nothing good happen in the mountains? Tell me about that. Oh, Matt. Um, so a part of my... Uh, story and and the story of how I came kind of back to bluegrass I did not was not born into bluegrass only in seminary did I really kind of get into it uh, and getting into it as a seminary student is that most bluegrass like Christian music uh, is not particularly good theologically um, <laughs> typically the best outcome in any bluegrass song that references the holy is the best thing that can happen to you in life is for you to die and go to heaven um uh, because uh, as, a, as a Rocky Mountain person now, I enjoy my, my big mountains that I can ski on and the champagne powder and the tree lines and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but the mountains in the, in the east are newer, or, or older, excuse me, much, much older, uh, and, that they're, and that they're inhabited. That's the other thing, too. People don't really live in the mountains in the west um, because it's too insane and intense and you can't, like, live above the tree line like you will die. You just... The growing season's too short for you to farm. Like they're, they're not communities that were that settled in the mountains here. They mined and got the hell out. Um, but in the east, they settled there because you could scratch out a living in the mountains, down in those valleys that are dark where the sun doesn't reach in the wintertime. 
uh, in the mountains as these old, old mountains are reminders, just a constant reminder, not a, not a source of inspiration, but a reminder that these mountains were here before you got here. Uh, and you're going to do whatever it is to live your life, but when you die, the mountains are still going to be here. And so they are this constant reminder of your finitude and your mortality. And and they bring, I mean, to get into the text, right, the flood, the cataclysmo is the Greek word for flood here. Yeah, the, the mountains don't, <laughs> the big things that happen up in the mountains are mostly bad things, you know, uh, flash floods, a winter that lasts too long, uh, and your inability to control it. Also, that's the other thing. You can't control what happens up there. A constant reminder that the mountains, that the world is bigger than us. So, Rustin, I just don't think that Zach is into this theme. I just... <laughs> Can we please just talk about Phil Collins? Why are we wasting our time? That's awesome. <laughs> Minus the fair Collins. What, um... Before we, we're almost ready to dive into the text. Rustin, for you, do y'all do Advent in, in, in your community? What's it What's it look like? I mean, I don't want to make assumptions, right? What does it look like? What does Advent look like? What does this season look like for y'all? Yeah, so we do Advent. We're so we're, I'm a. This is a UCC church, so one of our duly aligned partners, right? And we do Advent. We um, jump in and out um, of. The lectionary. We don't stay in the lectionary a lot. We do a lot of series-based teaching. Um, so our theme for the year is uh, "Joy to the World" because it's the 300th anniversary of the writing of that song. Three Dog Night. So there you go. <laughs> so um, so yeah. So that's what we're doing in this season. Um, but we do the you know Advent candles, Advent wreath, all the jazz. It's a it's a crazy time. We have. Uh, 21 services between December 18th and Christmas Day. So it's like every hour on the hour. It's like Disneyland. It's like it's like Dollywood yeah. right here in our yeah. church. Um, it's, it, we're kind of a Mall of America church where you can, whatever worship style you want, whatever thing you want, you can get it here on Christmas. So yeah. Wow. I mean, I'll say I. I love I love my church. We just celebrated our 115th. It was very wonderful and lovely. Love my church. I wanted to I did be see there the pictures. <laughs> we had some good dancing. <laughs> it was. Including right. for my girls who didn't want to stop. I, oh, super cute, by the way. Mm-hmm. Like I love that one was dancing and one was coloring. I was like, that's so <laughs> right. funny. Right. 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 Like, uh, I'm, I'm going to be. <laughs> She did jump up and dance eventually when they when I requested uh, Harry Belafonte's "Jump in the Line," mm. which is uh, our favorite dancing song at home. Um, but but no, I, I said it to say like I've also like I saw the the pictures. I don't know if you had posted it or if Heather or somebody posted like you like your faith formation. It was Rally Sunday or something, and there were all these pictures of like the different sections where people would go, different age groups and different. And I was just like, this is, seems like a galaxy of like possibilities right like i can barely get together like one like a little group of like but it's just like it was like it was a galaxy of possibility which is you know has its own coolness so yeah it's its own thing it's you know like coming from la and a redeveloping congregation and jumping in here and it's very different worlds um and you know like you have these kind of ideations about what a big church is and what all that means. And it's, you know, truthfully, it's all BS. Like it, it's 
just multiply what you're doing by the number of that. And it's the same thing, right? It's like 10 times, 20 times, whatever, what my church in LA was doing. So everything just is scaled differently, but it's the same, like the same stuff you have in church, the same realities. Um, you know, I would say like for me, one of the things I've learned in this space is I think larger churches would be really smart to hire, um, lead ministers from smaller churches um, because you know how to do everything like there's nothing that like there's nobody like shooting your video you know like nobody's like you don't have like a teleprompter like I I, I came here I have a teleprompter one day my pastor <laughs> couldn't shoot couldn't shoot his video because our video guy was gone and I was like let me show you how poor churches do this so I went and got a light bulb I went and got this light right here yeah yeah set it up as a as a side light and turn my iPhone around and turn another iPhone around and use it as a as a monitor and was like this is how everybody else does it in the real world right like I can show you how to do video cheap so you know, <laughs> just do your thing yeah yeah no that's that's phenomenal no I just um no it's just that's fascinating um yeah I've been wrestling with church size over the weekend for for different reasons when you try to do a big weekend like we did it stretches you yeah. right like it stretches you in some really really powerful ways um so i had me wrestling with it but then uh jonathan preached for me on sunday and he had this really great line that stuck with me um where he said when when others were counting sheep you were tending the sheep uh and that's just like man it just it just stuck in me right um, so no matter what your numbers are, whether they're large or small, like we're focused on tending the sheep, which sounds obvious, but sometimes it hits you when you need to hear it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah it's yeah. good stuff. And I say all the time here, like the things that I was doing in LA in my church there, um, like we were doing astronomically more than a church our size should have been doing. <laughs> and like we don't do that here right like it's kind of like you play with what you got um we got everything so like we there the output is just different and the scrappiness of a small community-based you know parish kind of reality um is just i think next level in the world of what the church means in many ways um so i have a i have a deep love of both having been in both now and uh and I tell you what, just multiply the problems by ten percent too. That's, that's the same. <laughs> right. Like you don't right. just have one crazy Uncle Joe; you have seventy-five crazy <laughs> Uncle Joes. So. Amen. Amen. You may have to cut. Well, <laughs> <laughs> tell the truth. Tell the truth on this that's, podcast. That's uh, well, and sort of think about joy to the world too. I mean, here's a here's a song that. Um, I mean, the name is Joy to the World. You would think it's one thing, but it has, we think about it as a Christmas song. It's always filed in our hymnal as an Advent song, though. Yeah. You know, which is an interesting, like, it's this already not yet uh, kind of approach, too, right? Like, it isn't necessarily a triumphalistic thing. It's, it's, it is somewhat of what we have in the text today, too, which we'll talk about in a minute. But it's this looking ahead and dreaming while you're not all the way there yet, right? Yeah. So do you like after you've spent the whole year thinking about joy to the world or you're going into that? No, we're going into that. We, uh, we just finished a series on, 
<laughs> excuse me. <clears throat> We just finished a series on um, Micah six eight because that's like our benediction every week is um, we say what does the Lord require of you and the people say back to do justice to love kindness while coming with our God. Um, but we've never really done a series on that text, and so we've done a super deep dive into Micah six eight, which has been really uh, fascinating as we kind of move into this political year because we're a super diverse politically church. Um, and then before that, we just finished a series on Toy Story. Uh, so just in time for Toy Story 4 to finish up. Yes. Um, so that's been our, and then, you know, so we do about, we generally do, um, most of our series are four weeks, some go six. And then like if we do a lectionary series, we pull four weeks from the lectionary. So it jumps in and out in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Cool. Cool, cool. But I did look at the text for this week, so because I was realizing that the world I was coming into uh, um, might need it. <laughs> yes, let's talk about these texts. Zach, what's this first? What's the first reading? Oh, we're in Isaiah, uh, of course, because it's Advent and Christmas, and. Uh, you know, Isaiah was definitely thinking about the birth of Jesus uh, when he wrote everything. <laughs> right. Yeah, obviously. Uh, but it's a good one. It's a good one, a short one. Uh, the word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days to come. Look out, look out. Here it comes. The mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains, shall be raised above the hills, and all the nations shall stream to it as if it were Dollywood. And many people, many peoples, shall come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to Dollywood, to the house of the God of Jacob, that God may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge between the nations and are between many peoples, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks, and nations shall not lift up sword against nation, and neither shall they learn war anymore. You should put that in a song. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. So lots of good images, lots of connections to the other readings. Yeah, there's your mountains. There's your mountains. <laughs> and the, the, oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean, whew. So you kept saying Dollywood. Why did you keep saying Dollywood? You know, just as they would attract people, Dollywood up on the top of the hill is uh, up there in Gatlinburg, the mountain to which the masses pour. Well, and this idea that, like, this place... So you just finished the Neon Moss episode of this podcast. Mm-hmm. This is free promotion from WNYC. But uh, they need I was fascinated help. by this, like... Right? <laughs> <laughs> by the contrast between, between Dollywood, which... Which I want to visit again now that there are holograms, um, but and and then also like the what was it? Did they say it was the other side of the mountain? And it was like mm-hmm. they went to like her actual home mm-hmm. that she had also, which yeah. also was a simulacrum in a different kind of way. <laughs> she had yeah. reconstructed it, mm-hmm. um, but being out there with the the blue smoke and um, evocative just, of the righteous gemstones, right? <laughs> yeah, I think it's fascinating that they still, as a family, go out there, yeah. like that they rebuilt it so they could understand her experience, and then like her nephew's kids go hang out and write on the chalkboard. Like, yeah. how weird is they, that? Yeah, 
Yeah. Sorry to That's... go back to Dollywood. Mm -hmm. No, but but for real, like, how do we, you know? So part of what this text is imagining us to well, do you is know, to Matt. Yeah. As yeah. a as a member of the Christian Church in the United States, I can't imagine reconstructing things that your elders thought were important <laughs> and revisiting them. <laughs> Right. Can't imagine that. Right. You're right. This is incomprehensible. I mean, it's like, that's what the text invites us to imagine uh, something. But the tools that we have to imagine it are like what we've already known. Right. Like you're 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 like borrowing from the past. You're remixing it. You're, you're thinking of something new. It's like all mixed up together. It's not. Um, oh, gosh, I don't know how to describe it, but it's messy. It's a messy process. This imagining. Mm -hmm. more than more than messy Matt one of the things I want to lift up is that line that's the, the one of the many lines in this in this reading that's really familiar they beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks which sounds really pretty uh, and we can nostalgicize in lifetime movie that thing but it's also important to understand that people who would have been hearing this would hear that much more in the kind of cataclysmic sense little teaser from when we get to the gospel uh, in my reading to get ready for the gospel it talks about uh, when 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 uh, when the time comes there'll be people out in the fields working and my my sociological commentary said that it that meant that people were doing their everyday work out there because it wasn't because they lived out in the fields because everybody had to live in the village because the protection the village offered it would be too dangerous because you had much much more reality of uh, being open to violence, right? Violence was just, for most of us, a much more prominent part of life. And to know that the the few meager protections you had had been destroyed is a fundamental change to the shape of your life that would not be immediately greeted with nostalgia and happiness. Are you suggesting that Advent invites us into a fundamental changing the of the shape of your life? Mm. <laughs> There's a pretty obscure theologian called uh, Daniel Erlander, and uh, <laughs> I think he calls it metanoia. Metanoia. Well, Isaiah, full of amazing imagery. Anything else we want to say about Isaiah? Oh, uh, they're not going to lift up swords. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation. Haven't got it all the way figured out. Uh, but there's some wordplay with the gospel again, where uh, one will be lifted up and taken away, uh, and one will remain. Uh, so if you're looking for some contrast and stuff to play with, you got swords uh, are not going to be lifted up anymore. But the faithful, maybe? It's a little ambiguous. I'm not sure what to make of the lifting up of people yet in Matthew. There's at least two songs that you could... Uh pull out of here and I, I know you referenced the one uh we sing these two songs that say marks one of them is i'm gonna lay down my sword and shield mm -hmm. uh down at the riverside and we sing that at st marks like all the time it's one of our favorites um but also we'll walk in the light we'll walk mm -hmm. in the light the beautiful light uh come where the dewdrops of mercy shine bright it's another one of our favorites here so always fun when you can work those songs in or around the texts uh and i'm thinking maybe i'll do that maybe i'll sing one of those after this text or before it Cool. Noise. Epistle. Second reading. We don't always do the second reading, but this one's so good. It is good. <laughs> I just like it. I mean, do you skip over the psalm? Like you just say, say screw the psalm? Yeah. Well, we're yeah. not. Yes. <laughs> I don't do the psalm. Do you do the psalm, Zach? Do I do the, I don't do worship. 
I don't know what you know. <laughs> um, I don't worship. I don't plan worship weekly. Um, I mean, I'll preach on the psalm if I'm... It is a last resort. And lots of congregations that I preach in don't do the psalm as a traveling preacher, so it's hard to rely on. Mm. Yeah, I like... I feel like I like we don't we don't do it at St. Mark's and part of that is because I don't really want to just read it I feel like we should sing it but then actually preparing it preparing somebody us to sing something is a lot more work and so I just don't do it yeah <laughs> but someday it'd be a good like one some year we'll dive into the Psalms mm-hmm. it'd be fun to do I, don't, I just Ironic. can't see a connection between the vinyl preacher and Psalms. I know, right? It just doesn't have any relationship to what we're doing. It's too clear. Yeah. We don't do, obviously. Someday. Once we've gotten all the way through the lectionary a couple times, we'll yeah. <laughs> do the Psalms. <laughs> oh, Romans. Romans 13. Oh. Matt, this is the this... Dave Ramsey epistle. Is it really? <laughs> oh, no one anything. No debt at all. Debt is evil. Uh, this is what I've got speaking of people you don't want to piss off it's the Enneagram Mm -hmm. people the essential oil people and the Dave Ramsey people look out for all three of those groups I'm like two of those people but I don't mind I like like people making fun of (laughs) (laughs) it's like two truths and a lie which one is it Wow. Wow. Have we told you our Enneagram insight about the Enneagram 4? No, please do. Uh, So, you know, Marie Kondo has this thing where um, you have to look for what sparks joy. Yeah. But for a 4, it's more like um, what sparks mixed emotions. (laughs) (laughs) What sparks a complicated mix of mixed emotions. Yeah. What sparks Mm -hmm. melancholy. Because we like melancholy. Mm-hmm. Are you both hypothetical fours? What? You both hypothetical fours? Yeah, yeah. I'd be a the Enneagram doesn't strong. exist. Therefore, <laughs> I'm a four because that's what fours. Are. You're also magically unicorn. Yes. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Nobody can understand my ex- experience in the world. For death. Oh. All right, Romans thirteen eleven to four. Teen, besides this, you know what time it is. How now is the moment for you to wake from sleep. That's what my alarm clock tells me every morning. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone. The day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Starts out good. Ends in a complicated <laughs> Can I just do the first half? between the Isaiah text of like turning your weaponry into something to till the earth and then this one going back to armor of light is a is an interesting juxtaposition Uh, uh, like mm -hmm. that one's kind of anti-violence language and one's like bringing it back in different ways which I think is just fascinating yeah it's kind of like when was it Marianne Wilson, uh, the presidential candidate Marianne, uh, 
whatever her name what? is, mm-hmm. Williamson, whose big thing is that we'll defeat Trump with like love or hope or something, and it's just like completely abstract theoretical like love will win. <laughs> um, that's as like ridiculous as as armor of light. I think. Agreed. It's terrible armor, actually. Light waves do not stop many things that can hurt you. It's <laughs> a good point. You gotta really crank up the UV rays. And you'll slowly give your opponent skin cancer. <laughs> the introduction of uh, this time imagery, too. You know what yeah. time it is. The, the way that's gonna play with Matthew, too, I think. The way that you know what time it is. How now is the moment for you to wake from sleep, waking and sleeping night and day, darkness and light. And then, yeah, from armor and laying down weapons. I mean, just a lot of opposites put in tension with one another. Good imagery. A lot to work with. Right? More light. I love how it also assumes that people don't do bad things in the day. Like, yeah. like 80% of the bad stuff I do is in the day. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, gosh. As you start to move into Advent, I mean, here's another opportunity to start to unpack some of those things, too, and turn them on their heads. Um, That light and dark imagery, which I think uh, there's ways to work with that, but but you've got to work with it. You've got to unpack it. You've got to turn it upside down and, and inside out. I uh, you can add on the eight to ten. And I think I would probably do that because there is some good stuff there. Uh, there is my Dave Ramsey joke, right, that it starts. Oh, no, oh, no one anything except to love one another. Uh, and you get the nice uh, verse 10 ends with uh, love does no wrong to the neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Which I think is a helpful compliment to the other texts. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Shall we dive into Matthew? Let us. <laughs> Jesus said to the disciples, About that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together. One will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. Gospel of the Lord. So this one, uh, so three years ago, we were we were uh, in this uh, lectionary cycle and I was doing uh, I was on family leave and I was doing like this Advent in the NICU series. And so I'd post a picture and then like a little line from like the scripture for the day. And this is where I did one of my daughters was still in the NICU and one of them was at home. And I said, one will be taken and one will be left. It was my like scripture that I put in the image. My mom did not like it at all. (laughs) 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 
But I was just writing things that had some kind of connection to what I was feeling uh, in that moment. There's a lot going on in this text. And gosh, I mean, it just strikes me that immediately one of the things we have to unpack is this, like, the left behind lens that I think we're given in the culture still, right? Still, like decades after left behind was super popular. But I think we're still carrying that as cultural baggage. I agree. I like growing up in the South or in the pseudo South of Texas and Oklahoma, like that was my, and growing up Baptist, right? Like this text would have clearly been read as rapture text. Yeah. Uh, and it, uh, truthfully, when I read this text, I was like, damn, why'd I pick this week to be on their show? Like, <laughs> I hate this text. Like literally hate it. Like I would, uh, I would have gone to the Psalms at this point on this one. Cause it, like, <laughs> For me, it's hard to find gospel yeah. in this because of my background, right? Which also connected it back to me to the podcast, right? Like, that's part of what, what, like, in some ways, like, part of what Dolly's doing with her past is she's redeeming it mm. and trying to, to craft meaning out of um, the mountains, right? To use yeah. Zach's phrase, like, and so it's one of the things I was, I've been thinking about it with this text and, and living in it for a minute is, like, what would it look like to redeem this text in some ways for myself and I I, I hope you can redeem it for me because I think it's crap <laughs> it's tough what, I've got some stuff on here but do you want to take a I crack mean, I at think it? one thing a note that's interesting at least in my context uh, and I don't know maybe if it's people of our generation because I was like I mean I remember it really, really vividly like late middle school early high school when the left behind stuff really hit and like I remember having to watch it in my United Methodist youth group meeting um, my college students today do not know what I'm talking about when I talk about the left behind mm-hmm. stuff um, so for whatever that's that's worth um, but I've got some good Saturday stuff um, that the intensity that, that perhaps a good place to start is with the connection here um, that there's an intensity to life that I find some resonance with. Uh, Satterley says that it's that every moment has the possibility of, uh, of being uh, eschatologically significant, right? That this might be the moment that has like ultimate meaning for us. And I think that <laughs> uh, has a lot to do with the world I live in, at least. You know, I check my email all the time because a part of me thinks that, you know, maybe I just got an email that really matters and like will really like change my life or world. Um, and the intensity of that kind of life is something that it is attractive to escape from, uh, which is one of the options that the rapture uh, leaves, right? That you could escape from this high intensity world. Um, it's a part of the escapism of uh, the best news is that you'll get to die and not be here in the mountains anymore. But that, but that this is an invitation into the everyday and the ordinary that they were marrying and giving in marriage, that they were working and eating and drinking. Um, and so that the salvation from this tension is not a far and away thing, but it is a salvation that is found uh, in the present, uh, in, in the menial, in the everyday. I like that. I like that, that every moment can have eschatological significance and that's just too much right like i can't Mm. yeah i just can't bear yeah yeah 
I was struck reading this too because it's it's another one of these texts. Um, oh, this is one of the problems with the lectionary. Well, I'll read the text and I'll be like, what? Like of all the stories that you could have chosen from this Bible, you went with this one? Like there are so many other options, especially totally. during Advent, especially during Advent. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so what, and then it leads me to go like, okay, so what is the point of this? Like what, what, what is happening here? What are you supposed to take away from this? And I'm struck by the way that it starts about that day and hour. No one knows, not even the son knows, which says some really interesting things about Jesus, um, right? And <laughs> how we think about Jesus. Not even I know. Well, that, we may have to rethink some things. Um, no one knows. What does it mean to relinquish knowledge and certainty about things? What does it mean to relinquish that uh, in this season? To relinquish the certainty that we try to hold on to um, that gives us our sense of safety? Can we place it somewhere else? What does it mean to relinquish? What do we let go of? Um, I know I always come back to with the the thief in the night. Um, I think Nadia, I don't know if she preached a sermon or wrote a blog post on this or what, but this idea that um, rather than making lists of what we want for Christmas to make lists of what we want God to take away, right? What we want the thief to show up and, and steal away from us, right? Um, <laughs> I like that. What a, right? And that, that is kind of the image that we have is this thief in the night. Uh, and the son of man is coming. The son of man is the thief in the night, right? <laughs> What we want him to steal, and so what do we need to relinquish uh, in Advent? Um, from certainty to knowledge to to what? Um, you know, in a season when we're filling shopping carts, what does it mean to empty ourselves um, to make room for something new? Maybe that's a piece of what's happening here, here too. It's tough for uh, uh, an Enneagram four with a really strong five wing, where uh, you know my way of thinking about what it means to be a five is like. I've only read five books on that subject, so I really only know a little bit. <laughs> I don't really feel like an expert. Um, so the idea of just relinquishing knowledge and being okay with that yeah. is, uh, is tough, but maybe it's, it's where we're called to go this season, isn't the air of mystery. I really like what Rustin said about Dolly trying to, a part of the work and the, the stuff that we celebrated Dolly is that Dolly is redeeming her past. Um, mm. Because this gospel is a story about the past. It leans on Noah, right? Um, and for folks during Advent, no matter where you're at in the lectionary or off the lectionary, the Christmas season is a story about the past. And so, so drawing some distinction, this is a story about fulfilling the past. That's why I'd lean on that Romans text, the fulfillment of love, that, that back in the day there was this garden, this idyllic place, uh, Tennessee mountain home, but then there was a flood of brokenness. Uh, of destruction, of death. But these are the days of Jesus. Uh, and there we know in the story of Jesus that there in these days there's a flood of, of love, of life, of wholeness. Saturday has a nice line where he says that what matters more is there's been a transformation, is that the content of the promise now matters more than the timetable for its arrival. So that seemed insightful to me. As a person who doesn't have to preach the lectionary very often, like I thought, like, what would I do here if I had to? And uh, so for me, like, I've just been doing an adult series on what does it mean to be human in light of God? And where we started in that is in Matthew 1 in the um, genealogy piece, yeah. which our lectionary never gives space for. It's such right? a good genealogy. And it's such a genealogy, right? And then you come to the end of it, and it's like there's that piece where, like, 
David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Like that's yeah. a fascinating way of writing that, right? So, and then like, so you in this you have like a prostitute, a like, it's almost like Matthew's winking at like this story is going to be so different than everything you've ever heard. Yeah, and so. What I thought of it too is like I would juxtaposition that Matthew text with this Matthew text mm-hmm. because this is right before Jesus' crucifixion when we get to this place here in, in the text. So like what's he doing? What's he trying to turn upside down? You know, like in the same way he did in the genealogy. And if that's what – if Advent's somewhat about a turning upside down, like what do we do in that space and how do we like – again, like redeem our old genealogies of like – craziness and mm-hmm. uh, how we think about that this that this in thing is something that we don't know or have control over in a world mm-hmm. that requires control and like is like it's about you know you're moving power over to not being that anymore and so trying to figure out how this text is Matthew winking in another way as well mm-hmm. uh, or the, the gospel writer depending on who you believe it is yeah yeah, putting it in the context of Matthew's gospel. and Oh, I like that. Yeah. Because it's weird. It's a weird sidebar, right? Like if you go the the chapter before this one and this one are kind of this weird sidebar in the midst of his gospel that surely has a purpose that I'm just missing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a strange place to begin. I mean, and there – oh, yeah. I mean the, – I continue to think about what I said. Um, I find my personal experience, I will own this, is that so much of, of what we do in this season is a striving to get back to home, right? To get back to a place that we cannot go anymore, where the, the cherubs have their flaming swords. For my family, uh, it was my great-grandfather's house on top of the hill in the middle of the apple orchards where we went every Christmas Eve. I don't know how factual that is, but that's the story I know is true. Um, and so all of my Christmas traditions are, are held up against whether we were able to live into the past or not. Uh, so a part of the good news of the story is the freedom from trying to recreate that, uh, that, the, that this vision is being fulfilled now, right here. Um, and so maybe there's some good news in that. Yeah, I love that. Like, I love, as you say, like, whether it's factual or not, it's true for you, right? Mm-hmm. Like. You study historical memory. We what we know is none of it's true. I mean, none mm-hmm. of it's factual. Yeah. Right. So, like, if we just get into that space of like, like the memories that Dolly has of her place, or that I have of my childhood, and these, or that the church has of itself, right? As a redeveloper, mm-hmm. like, like it's it's all a bunch of shit. That's it. Like, but it had meaning, and now we're making new meaning. And mm-hmm. how do we do that? And how do we live in this moment in this space? And let that be true for us, and yet look to a day where there's no true. As somebody that just came off a, an anniversary weekend, and I'm sorry I keep talking about this, but I'm so full after it. Uh, what do you get somebody for the 115th anniversary? What's the traditional gift? I don't know. <laughs> 30 grand bonus. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But we, you know, we did a lot of time looking back, but it strikes me that we did that in a way that, like, we looked back to figure out we did a lot of myth making i think you know to tell some of these stories that then helped us think about what our values are and what our identity is and what the things are that we want to hold on to and what was so interesting too is in the midst of some of that myth making i mean one of the founding stories we have this like rebirth story in the 40s where we become a an integrated inter- 
church. Um, and then we had some families get up and speak about that. And they told some really hard stories about what that was actually like, right? When they were first integrating. Um, but they were there. They were still there. They were still bound to the church. They still loved the church. Um, but it was just so fascinating to see what we can recover if we if we go back to the past, even the imagined past, with a certain kind of intention, um, there can be value in that. Um, I don't know. There's a myth making that happens, but then even in the unpacking of the myth, there's meaning in that too, right? There's there's meaning in both. Um, well, it's all myth making, right? Like that's right. Yeah. Like part of what we're doing in this formation series that we're in is like we started with who is God and called it naming the whirlwind, and then we're like in light of that, who are what does it mean to be human? And then we're going into Jesus following that and like trying to do constructive theology. And what we're talking about is like all of this, right? Like if you, if you have a Hebrew Bible scholar in my church who helped translate the NRSV, like he's awesome. His name is Ron Troxel. And Ron, like, he's like, just walks through the Hebrew Bible and is like, no, they're just making myth. Like every step of it is them making myth that makes sense for them in that time. And where the church has failed is it stopped making myth. Yeah. And so we got to live into myth making and be like, well, that's actually who we are. That's what brings yeah. meaning. That's what gives us purpose. That's what Advent's all about, right? Like, mm-hmm. let's live into this myth of uh, six pound, eight ounce baby Jesus, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. And the word, it strikes me as you're saying that, like, the word that we used this weekend on Saturday night was storytelling. And we had stru- we had we had structured it as storytelling roots, storytelling branches, storytelling seeds, and had different people speak for each one. Um, and if the word myth uh, makes you uncomfortable, I, I think it's another way to think about it because even storytelling itself, right, is the way that we construct the way these things happened in our heads. Um, but it makes its own kind of it's it's a similar kind of move, I think. Um, so maybe think about some storytelling this Advent, dear preachers. Good stuff. Like I didn't know we were going to go there, you guys. We done get there. My uh, official Dolly connection to the text this week and how these, this story fits uh, fairly explicitly into the Dolly uh, story is uh, who knows the hour when you might be discovered by Porter Wagner uh, if you're on the <laughs> right? That's how it fits in. Uh, who knows when the moment will come, uh, right? Because if, if Porter doesn't show up, it doesn't happen. Does Dolly happen? Yeah. She totally happens. Man. Easy to say in retrospect. The, the, way she, the way she talks about that whole thing is just amazing. Like, Unbelievable. Just, right? Like, her generosity <laughs> oh in the gosh. whole freaking series yeah. is like, 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 it's gospel. Like, that's, like I kept going back yeah. to, like, that's why I texted you about this. I mean, I FaceTimed you or whatever about yeah. this. I was like, yeah. Like, this is, like, the story the church needs to hear. Yeah. Like, it is unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, you think about all the different ways you could tell that story. And the way that she tells it is really unique and powerful and gospel, like you said. Yeah. You can hear that, like, the the love, right? Like, you know? And that the guy was a douchebag, right? You can hear both of those things. Like, I love this guy who was, like, an oppressive, domineering. Which makes it so beautiful and human, right? We all love douchebags. Absolutely. You know? We do. Myself included. (laughs) And to hear it in such a... 
generous and yet there's still honesty to it as well you know like she doesn't completely uh, whitewashing what, yeah yeah it's... well before we go down yet another rabbit hole what are we listening to this week oh Matt there's so much good stuff this week I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna put two Dolly songs on because I discovered Matt trying to find this may be the hardest thing we've ever done I can talk about the meaning of Dolly and make meaning out of Appalachia and, and mountains and all that kind of stuff but Dolly has written I believe an infinite number of songs uh, the discography the catalog <laughs> is bottomless uh, it's 799 discs. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and as far as I can tell, I I, I counted 459 individual charted <laughs> tracks. Yeah, <laughs> I had incredible. to I pulled up the Wikipedia uh, discography of singles to try to get like where should I even look? Um, yep. And it didn't help. She released three albums in 1970. Uh, and I'm sure she released one in 1671 too uh, but I'm going to go with one of the, the album from 1970 uh, that's titled uh, which is about where I really like the Dolly musically I'm not real in on the Kenny Rogers era Dolly that's not does not work for me but uh, that's Dolly's really coming to her own in, 1970, in the 70s and I, I'm, I'm aboard with that the album's called As Long As I Love which hits the Romans fulfilling the love for me uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat I'm gonna put two songs on there because I want them paired together the title track is called As Long As I Love the, the essence of the song is that it's As Long As I Live I Will Love You and so there's something to that keeping watch keeping wait but another track on the album's called I Couldn't Wait Forever uh, which is about how I couldn't sit around waiting for you forever. Uh, and so I want to pair them together with that, like, uh, the day is already gone, the night uh, the night is far gone, the day is near. All those, those the, the juxtaposition, the tension, put them all together. Uh, I'm putting those two Dolly tracks on the playlist. Then I'm doing the fire and the flood of Vance Joy uh, to tie into the flood theme here from, uh, from, from Noah and the Gospel. And then Kid Cudi's Day and Night. Uh, to hit the Romans again. Rustin, what are you listening to? Well, I'm going to go straight Dolly. And uh, I'm gonna we add, hope to have add, an episode where we can talk about, about the straight, not straight Dolly. The not straight Dolly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would love that. Like, I'll be listening for that one. Um, so my first track is going to be to connect to the light imagery in the first two passages light of the clear blue morning just yes. such a great song yes. like it plays with a darkness light imagery it's fascinating and then like she has a song called hello god i don't know what album it's off of Ooh. but i think it's like that's just a fascinating like advent thing to be like hey god like you're showing back up i'm looking for you like where's the baby jesus kind of thing like so those two um and then I've, i'm finding her choosing to partner with these kind of contemporary Christian artists, just like really fascinating. And so for the hell of it, like I would throw in the Zach Williams, there was Jesus and the King and country. God only knows just because it's like expected, right? Like it, like it's it, in many people's experience, it's going to be their introduction to Dolly. Um, yeah. Which is tragic. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> is uh those would be those would be my four yeah. that's a part of the complexity of dolly right is that dolly is so 
approachable and accessible. Uh, yeah. But then it takes you so many unexpected places. I would say if I were to add one more, uh, like, and it's kind of a cheat, but like, I would totally probably do the. Um, why am I going to miss the name of it? But the 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 patchwork coat one. What is that one? Mm. Help me figure it out. Coat of many colors. Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, like just to, to kind of connect back to like it feels like it has some putting on you know like what does it mean to put on something um and like being proud of what you put on being clothed in light stuff and um not letting people determine what that light looks like for you yeah 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 good stuff i mean the light is also about like revealing the truth of who we are yeah and yeah. uh, and there's something to that, right? Like of of a lack of shame and honesty about who we are. Yeah, the coat of many colors. That's what it's called. It took me a second. Sorry. Yep. yep. Fantastic. Good playlist. Um, yeah, you, you you stole two of mine. Think of like Sorry. light light of a clear blue morning mm-hmm. is so good. It's so perfect for these texts. So the good. Day, the day dawning right oh oh my goodness uh that we're looking ahead to uh and just such a such a good song um i've got one that i put on the the playlist for living lutheran uh which should be coming to your mailbox soon i don't know if you still get that it's a riveting magazine uh in print i do i saw your article especially (laughs) now that we are in it especially now that we are in it um Unfortunately, Awake we had my... to write the Advent article before your text in the middle of the night. So if you could... No, otherwise it would have been all Dolly. All Dolly. <laughs> it would have been incredible. <laughs> oh. uh, but the, the Childish Gambino song, Redbone, which, uh, you know, again, one of the things I said about it, um, you know, it's this song with the chorus of, of Stay Woke. And either the song or that uh, phrase may seem played out uh, but we might feel that way coming into Advent and Christmas. Uh, and maybe a challenge is, is can we shake off the cynicism and embrace it again and hear something new? Um, but I think even the title of that album, Awaken My Love, uh, I almost wanted that to be my Advent theme. Yeah. <laughs> it's just Awaken My Love, right? It's just a beautiful, beautiful uh, line. And then, um, yeah, I listened to that God Only Knows song uh, with Dolly Parton and Cam Country. Her voice shines through, even in a contemporary Christian music label. Right? Like, her voice totally. is so, so good. But it also made me think, uh, the, the first one I thought of with that title, given that no one knows, is uh, God Only Knows by the Beach Boys, mm. which is also a beautiful song. Wow. Uh, that title, God, God Only Knows, in this season of uh, You Shall Not Know the Day or the Hour. Cool. Well, thank you, Rustin. Thanks for coming mm-hmm. on the pod to talk about Dolly Park. And thanks for the oh, idea no for our ad series. It's all you, man. I, I love it. I love it. It's so good. It's I highly recommend the. And yeah. she has a new Netflix special coming yeah. out, by the way. So I'm super pumped about that. We're gonna have to watch the Dolly Parton Christmas special to talk about on the, because there's an old Dolly Parton Christmas movie we need to watch. Ooh. <laughs> Christmas at Dollywood. You should have. Called. You should have like a, a a live viewing where you put it out and you get people to all go buy yeah. the same bottle of wine mm-hmm. and watch it together and Skype it together. Yeah. And like live show. Yeah. Live live mm-hmm. watch. 
Are you interested in becoming the executive producer of this podcast? <laughs> right. As long as you guys keep doing it, all I have to do is come up with ideas. I'm totally oh, down. Perfect. Great. 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 I love ideas. I don't like having that. Oh, well, thank you, man. Thanks for your time. We know you're busy. We appreciate yeah, it. We're going to see so you at uh, Coachella. They haven't announced the other two headliners. Dolly could be one of the headliners. Would that not be incredible? Rage Against the Machine, Dolly. I know. When I saw Rage Against the Machine, I was like, there are a few things I would like better than to watch Rage Against the Machine with Matt. Like, like, it's unbelievable. I will tell you, still the best show I've ever seen were two of the shows I saw at Coachella. Really? Which two? uh, Mavis Staples, like, changed Uh my life. Yeah, uh, um, like just what it did in that room, like yeah. it was unbelievable. Like this, she's the oldest <laughs> woman in that whole space, and, right. and it was like going to church, like yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. And then I'm blanking right now, but the, the remind me of the woman who covers her face. The oh, Sia, yeah, yeah. Like I incredible. still have dreams about the sign interpreter. Like the sign hmm. interpreter of that show was like a whole nother show that was like transformation. It was like a, it was like an opera. The whole thing yeah. was like unbelievable. Yeah. Like people coming out of her dress and shit. Like it was unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know if you knew what to expect. Like I was like, oh, see, like she's a good pop star. And then it turned out to be something yeah. just completely ambitious. It was right. I had no idea. I had no idea. <laughs> so it was a good time. I will definitely. I will definitely uh, be. Are you guys going? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How many we have going, Zach? One, five, two, three, I five, think. I think, is the last. Five pastors. Five pastors. I don't know that I'm. I think I may be the least appropriate pastor. You guys know. Matt could answer that. So I might have to have a whole different sleeping site. <laughs> well, I think that Tyra is going too, but she got. Uh, She's going to be one of the fancy like teepee tents on mm-hmm. some other side. She's so glamping. she's uh, glamping. She's glamping. Nice. <laughs> so maybe you should get in on that. Uh, I, probably. <laughs> but. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Thanks, I guys. That was that what you do. Yeah. Thanks so much. It's uh, it it's been real. It's real. Been real. Yeah. Been real. Vinyl. Later.